Welcome to We Got Balls, real, raw, masculine sex talk with Chris Inman and Scott Cohn. Chris and Scott both work with men who want to leave their unwanted sexual struggles in the past. They are willing to do whatever it takes to help men get curious about what drives their compulsive sexual behavior. With that said, here we go. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of We Got Balls, and this week we're going deep. And by deep, I mean it's going to be a penetrative episode, one in which we really strap on all the truth that we have and give it to you full bore. So this is what we're here for, guys. We are here to make sure you feel it, feel the truth, feel the compassion, and feel a little bit of titillation. That's what this is about. (laughs) We Got Balls is in the house. So, guys, this uh, week we're talking about what what are you laughing about, Scott? (laughs) I'm I'm just thinking about I was going to I was going to welcome all the wives that are listening to this episode with their husbands, because we're hearing from a lot of wives or their husbands tell us my wife listens with me and she loves your podcast, which is it. It's really it's really amazing to me because, um, and I said, really, what is she like? You know, I've, I said, some guy came to me last week and said, my wife loves listening to your podcast with me. I'm like, I'm like, really? Why? And he said, because she feels like she's in the locker room with the rest of us. The guys. <laughs> like, so like, this oh. one's for the ladies. This one's the- for the ladies. We're talking about pegging. And if you don't know what pegging is, don't Google. Don't just keep watching. We'll we'll develop all the aspects of pegging for you in this episode. Don't have to look it up. Uh, If you've not heard of it, it is a, I would say, what what do you think, Scott? Relatively recent development in the porn world, in the sexual arousal world. I mean, let me say this. It's not new in the sense of what it what it stimulates it's new and kind of how it's being marketed and and promoted in pornography would that would that be accurate yeah i think since um since about 2000 and the research that i looked at tracked kind of in the category of anal sex and then where this fits in as a subcategory for from 2000 to 2023 kind of the increase in this category and so let's just define our terms here pegging is when a woman a woman wears a strap-on dildo while anally penetrating a straight man, although the term can be used to describe kind of regardless of gender roles. But that's kind of the, the genre overall. And there was a really popular kind of category, like a, a production of this called Bend Over Boyfriend. So this is where this really got started as a thing. But as we're going to talk about, you know, there's a lot of reasons why this is an attractive category to both men and women. So... Well, and let's let's answer the elephant in the room. You know, we have yet to do an episode on dildos, um, obviously, because many times dildos are focused on penetrative um, arousal for women. And that's typically how that's seen. But we can't dismiss the fact. And and we've talked about anal sex and talked about prostate uh, massage and talked about prostate stimulation. So obviously the prostate is the male G spot. And when we're talking about pegging or talking about this particular type of arousal, it is having someone else penetrate uh, you as a man using a, uh, a dildo. Obviously, if it's a man penetrating a man, it'd be anal sex. Wouldn't need to have a strap on for that, that the equipment is already included. So um, we, we just want to make sure that this is, you know, a, a heteronormative, uh, you know, husband, wife, uh, boyfriend, girlfriend, 
thing where the woman is assuming a place of power, but we're also scratching that itch to where the man is being able to be pleased passively. So, and he has a, a penetrative orgasm using an instrument, a, a dildo typically, uh, so that he can enjoy this without being the one who is initiating the sexual content. That's right. So let me just run through some facts and figures because I found a lot of fascinating research. Uh, this is according to women's slash or women's dot health dot com. 16% of sexually active adults have engaged in pegging. Um, sales of pegging gear have risen 44%. Since okay. 2018, because you have to have the dildo and you have to have kind of a harness that the female wears around her mm -hmm. body. 24% um, of heterosexual male college students have experienced some form of anal pleasure. So it's pretty common for guys to uh, do this on their own, using dildos, as you said, using a finger or whatever as they're masturbating as teenagers discovering their body. And they continue that. Almost 60% of men have reported fantasizing about receiving anal sex, being on the receiving end of it. So that's right. a pretty high figure. Um, that would be a majority, Scott. In the math world, we call that a majority. That is a majority. Um, about 40% of women report fantasizing about pegging their male partners. So, oh, okay. This is so that's an interesting little tidbit. I think before we kind of get into the power dynamics... Um, why would a woman fantasize about penetrating her partner, her male partner? Well, I think it's a, it's a fascinating kind of role reversal, right? I, yeah. We've all got that wondered. word again, that fascinating word. It keeps coming back and everything has to do with the penis. It's so fascinating. Erect penis. So fascinating. Um, yeah. you, you gotta, you gotta kind of put yourself in, well, I think you have to be honest about this. We've all, we've all probably done this. Like if I'm making love to my wife, I wonder what does that feel like for her? She's got to mm. wonder what's it feel like to have a penis and penetrate him. I think yeah. this particular activity allows both couples to, you know, both of the parties to explore that in a mutually fun way. Cause both of them, obviously, you know, there's, there's a high degree of mutuality here in this. Um, sure. Here's, here's some of the other things. There's a lot of shame around talking about this because obviously it seems gay to want to be mm -hmm. penetrated if you're a man, but 75 or 79% of men said they would be embarrassed to ask a female partner to finger their anus, but 16% admit to fingering their own anus. So again, this is a behavior that guys have engaged in on their own. Um, and anal play is practiced by adults about half the time they engage in sex and sexual play. So it's not all that uncommon. Um, and I've got just tons, tons of research on this. But, um, you know, we talk about the Pornhub annual review, this is a, this is a category, particularly to pegging, not anal sex in general, but the category of pegging is one of the fastest trending longest last longest uh, viewed forms of pornography on Pornhub. It's, so it's mm. extremely popular from all these different things that we're, we're looking at. Um, and another study from the National Survey of Family Growth, um, thousands of people between 15 and 44, this was done between 2006 and 2008, 44% of the straight men reported having anal sex at least once in their lives. So again, this might be part of somebody's arousal template because they had early experiences with it, or maybe something to just experiment with. Um, 
But I thought this was fascinating. This was another worldwide study of more than a million people. So this is a huge sample wow. size, Chris. And yeah. worldwide, men reported that 31 uh, from from 2001 to 2022, it went from 31 to 43% of men who were engaged um, in anal play of some kind. And pegging went from 16.6% to almost 20%, 19.9% in the, in that same 21-year period. So mm. even worldwide, this is a thing. And um, so, yeah, that's why we're talking about it. Well, and and I think um, one of the reasons that we're talking about is, is twofold. Number one, the penises are everywhere. I mean, that's we were just at a retreat this past weekend, and, and one of the topics was because men like to play with their penis. I mean, literally, literally it was just... And this was a, a a religious men's retreat, so it's not like it's 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 permeated everything. So anytime we talk about penetrating or being penetrated, there's going to be some curiosity around that. The, the other thing is, and I think this is probably where we're going to spend most of our time in this conversation, is so much in a man's life is wrapped up around the idea that I have to create my own pleasure and security and connection. It's up to me. I mean, that's really the definition of masculinity is to initiate that. I've got to be the one that goes out and creates the the revenue to provide. I've got to be the one that finds the girlfriend or I've got to be the one that, you know, uh, ask someone to marry. I got to be the one that uh, takes responsibility for fixing the things around my house, for making changes in my relationship, for doing my own recovery. I mean, like the list never ends. There's always something to do. And in this arousal template, it really is something being done to me. So if I'm aroused by this, I can sit back and let somebody else who typically maybe even for most of our relationship has been the recipient of my initiation and my action return the favor and also give me sexual pleasure and be a little, little bit of novelty, a little bit of variety in this, you know, that uh, I'm being penetrated anally by my female partner, uh, you know? And so it's a little, there's a little bit of the, maybe I'm bad because I like to do this, but it's not, you know, in that place where sometimes we have to go outside and, inviting a third party or maybe even the aspect where we're talking about gender issues and moving into transgender um, attraction. But it's just, it's just risky enough. It's just novel enough that it feels like it might be quote unquote acceptable and okay. And yet again, we don't shame any consensual sexual action between partners. We don't shame it. But there is a piece of this when you get it once or you get it twice or you haven't dealt with the, the stories in your past, it can become a compulsive behavior that you get turned on by this through porn or through acting out with people that you're not in a relationship with, which can become, become dysfunctional and unhealthy and addictive. So we have to talk about it all to get it kind of in the in the gumbo, as I like to say down here on the Gulf Coast. Um but for you, Scott, when you hear about those those power dynamics and the relational pieces and even the shame, what comes up for you? Well, the way I looked at this was kind of from our framework of the sensory kind of cues. So we've talked a mm -hmm. lot about visual cues, sexual interests, but I think it really need that category. I was thinking about it today as I was doing the work for the study on this. I think it needs to be expanded to sensory cues because there are yeah. scents 
right? There are, yes. um, there are tastes, there are uh, tactile sensations that are sexually arousing or part of our cued sexual interest too. So I'm kind of expanding that category because when I looked into this and I used the book uh, Touch, it's a great book on just the, the nature of that sensory experience of touch. And they had a chapter in there on sexual touch. And there's, there's really the, the factors, and we covered this in our anal sex episode, so I won't go into real detail here. But again, there's three different nerves that innervate the male periogenital system. Um, and one of them really keys on the nerves of the anus, the prostate, and the scrotum. And that's the pudendal nerve. Those nerves kind of bring all of those sensations together. The other two aspects that you have to consider is um, all of these areas of the body that, that are stimulated through this activity are like our lips, nipples, and our glands on our penis because they're globulous tissue and there's mm -hmm. no hair follicles there. So they're very sensitive to touch and they have specific sense receptors at the end of them that are called uh, genital end bulbs. So your anus has these and it's very sensitive to touch. And so this area can, can be very pleasurable to be uh, stimulated as well as the prostate, which is inside the anus. Obviously you have to reach inside. Dude, all that was just saying it feel good. It feels good to play with my butt, right? It, is that what you're telling me? Play with your butthole and what's okay. deeper up inside. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Awesome. So um, this is why, you know, and, and I, I think we talked about this, that a finger in your anus or another object is um, very much erotic and it can feel like, but it depends, it's context dependent. So think about this. If your lover is doing this to your lips, it's going to be a turn on. But if your doctor is doing that, it's in a completely different context. Yeah, that's not, I never got turned on by my doctor touching me in any way, frankly. However... You can go to the doctor for a prostate exam and experience an unwanted and unintended erection because it's stimulating those nerves directly. So that just shows that this area of touch is, is extremely arousing. Then you've got the psychological cues. So we've talked a lot about those. And that's where we'll probably spend a lot of time with, with the narrative elements as well. But, you know, the power dynamic is definitely at play here. So you could put this in the category of femdom or femme domination. I think some people would do that. It's kind of a subcategory of BDSM activity, but it's where the female kind of dominates the male. Now there could be a more tender, you know, just relaxed novelty oriented experience of that, or it could be very kind of aggressive. And yeah. then I think you have to ask where are the aggression dynamics coming from. Um, and that would be maybe some narrative cues, something in my story. Maybe I was, molested by a babysitter, or maybe my mother was really harsh and critical with me. And so to kind of relax, I have to get, I have to lay back and allow this part of my arousal template to kind of unfurl in order to experience arousal. Um, I think there's definitely a taboo element of this. And that brings in kind of the risk, right, mm -hmm. element, because I'm doing something that transgresses masculine norms Ma men are not supposed to enjoy anal stimulation which is why 79 Wait, so men yeah hold on hold on time out time out so men are not supposed to enjoy anal stimulation and yet for the history of sexuality we've had dildos and men have been the one who pr predominantly used dildos 
up until the 20th century, the sexual revolution, right? I mean, there's been a little bit of that before then. So, you know, talk to me about what is shameful about anal penetration? Well, it's gay. Okay, it's gay. So if I like something up my butt, it's gay. That's what we tell ourselves. I'm not saying that's true. <laughs> I'm right. saying so in the Western world, in the in the in the religious Judeo-Christian ethic, even Muslim ethic, I would say there there is a shaming of this is this is not the way it's supposed to work. Now, obviously, from a procreation per perspective, uh, you can't have a baby with anal penetration and ejaculation. But there is this aspect that I think it's important to. Uh, destigmatize, um, you know, consensual uh, self-play or, or consensual play with uh, other people um, that we have a relationship with. And I think part of that it's gay thing has kind of been dumped in this sexual stew of shame is that anything that's outside of the quote unquote right way to do things, which is missionary position in your, in your marriage bed, with um with your wife um that and i'm not knocking that either fyi i'm just saying <laughs> that 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 i think that the the aspect of compassion and curiosity has just really been divorced and this is one of those topics that really stands out when we talk about this there's a way it can be really unhealthy and just dis, and dis, destructive but there's also a really way a way it can be actually very connective and cathartic yeah i mean I think you have to look at when, when you talk about kind of what are the cultural norms for masculinity, a man is always to be the penetrator, never penetrated. A man is to be the initiator, even though most men would love it if their wives would initiate for God's yeah. sake. Um, yeah. But you know, there's all these expectations that culturally are imposed upon us. They seep into us kind of through osmosis. It's not like anybody sits us down and goes, now here's how a man's supposed to have sex. Right. But right. you hear it growing up, you you absorb it in the locker room, you see it in pornography. And I think kind of as the as we kind of deal with um, shame around sexuality in general, which I think is a good thing, I don't think we should be ashamed of enjoying sex. And I don't think we should be ashamed of exploring different ways to feel sexual and enjoy sexuality in a marital relationship. But um, I think it's that kind of has opened up, then it's opened up these opportunities for people to be more exploratory in, in different ways of uh, enjoying pleasure with one another. But um, you still have that notion. And I think the re you see it in that research where it said 79% of men would be afraid to tell their spouse that they wanted to be pegged. Why is right. that? Because they're afraid their wife is going to go, well, you must like gay sex then. And the yeah. the, the reality is, only 40% of men ever engage in anal sex. It's, yeah. it, it's not a, it's not really a gay thing. So, and the reality is, and, and you, I don't know if the research can back this up, but I know our story experience with guys and stories is the majority of guys who are turned on by anal sex is because they've had some sexually abusive or harmful dynamic uh, that has been, has been, you know, thrust upon them when they were young or they didn't feel like they fit in and they thought they needed to conform to this gay identity. And they began to experiment whether it was other people or with dildos themselves. And so there's, there's this wrapped around the identity of who I am and what's normal and good for me that 
you know, synced up with this sexual uh, desire, this, this arousal template. So, you know, in, in all the things that we do, you know, we want to offer extreme amounts of compassion and, and curiosity for men's stories. And, and the biggest piece for this is I don't feel safe. I don't feel safe that I can tell somebody what's really going on with me, what I really want, what really turns me on. And if you say it a lot of times, it loses its power. Not that it's not an arousal template anymore, but it loses the power to be dominant and shameful and cause dysfunctional behavior and compulsive and addictive disorders. That's right. And, you know, and I've had guys come to me who are obsessed with this. They mm. are obsessed in terms of wanting their wife to do this with them. And they, they, and I'll say, well, why don't you just tell your wife, Hey, I would love to explore this. We don't have to do it, but this is something that I desire. Cause I'll just, I'll stop and just say one of the cool, the sexiest things I ever did with my wife is we were driving on a long road trip and I said, Hey, let's make a list of all the sexual things we, we wanted to do with one another that we've never done yet. And, mm -hmm. and here's the rules. We get to share them one by one and we can only respond in one of three ways to the other person's desire. Ooh, that sounds really cool. We can do that whenever you want. That sounds really cool, but I'm only comfortable doing that when I initiate that. Or that sounds really cool, but I'm just not ready to go there right now. So that very was very compassionate. Very I love those compassionate frames to respond. Yeah, all, that was all yeses and not judgmental. Exactly. And it yeah. created that safety in us being able to tell each other what we want. Guess what? We each had 10 items. Most of our items matched. No. She, wanted to, she wow. wanted to do the same things I wanted to do. And it was, and, and then what we had was a list of things that we could go down and experiment with and have fun. Who doesn't want to do something like that? So yep. I think, I think that's an invitation when you're having a hard time having a conversation just in general about what you desire, let alone pegging is to take a technique like that and invite your spouse into that. And if she won't come into it, then the question is, why not? What's, what is it that makes exploring desire so threatening in the relationship? And so you mean she won't come into the conversation, that open conversation is what you mean, right? Right. Scott? right. Yeah. Yeah. So, nope, I don't want to, I don't want to talk about that. I don't want to talk. Can we talk about talking about it? No. Now, now we have yeah. in a different discussion, what is it that makes yeah. our desires so threatening to one another? And so there's a story yeah. there typically, right? Absolutely. And so in that vein, Scott, when you're talking about that, it, it really invites um, this piece around sexual arousal that maybe maybe we've talked about. I'm sure we have talked about it, but I, I just want to put a, a highlighter on it for just a moment is that until we talk about the things that we really desire, the shame will continue to eat us alive. You know, I have a, a fairly um, popular arousal template. There's a lot of guys that share my things that, that, that turn me on. And it's a lot of it because we were raised in similar environments, similar dynamics. And I kept quiet about it for, for 20 years. In fact, it was probably 20 years until I even thought about the fact that what turned me on actually pointed towards what I really wanted in my childhood. And it just, I grew up with it and it developed into arousal and it truly began to shape me as a, as an adult man. And those things were exciting to me because I wanted those as a kid. And so the, the fact that I began to talk about them and understand why they turned me on and why they brought me to a place of sexual arousal was really, really healing. And just to be able to communicate anything around sex in a safe way 
was very healing. I was sitting with a group of guys probably four years ago, five years ago. And we sat around and one of the weeks we got on sexuality and I talked about a few things around sexuality. And one of the guys said, I've never had an open and honest conversation around sex with other guys Mm. that was safe. Never had it. And so I said, okay, well, let's we like next week, let's get together and let's just talk about whatever you want to talk about. And we didn't talk about anything, you know, I mean, it was mild compared to we got balls. I mean, you know, it's pretty tame. So, uh, I mean, but at that point in their development and, and, and where I was, it was a great opportunity and invitation to, um, to this space. So let's get real particular with this particular arousal template. And let's look at two things in the last couple of minutes that we have. Number one, why would a guy want to be pegged? And number two, why would a woman want to peg a guy? Very curious about those two things. Okay. So really simple. It, it comes down to those three things. What's, what's going on in your body and your nervous mm-hmm. system? So that's the biology, the neurobiology. Um, some men may have more nerve endings in their anus and their penis okay. than in their scrotum. And that might make pegging more pleasurable for them. It might also be that their brain structures, based on experience, were differentiated and wired together for this. So there's Hibbs axion neurons that wire fire together, wire together. So if you had an experience in youth that was kind of novel where you were masturbating and you used a dildo or whatever, and it resulted in a really intense orgasm and you're like, Oh, I'm going to do that again. This might be something that becomes a part of your sexual repertoire because it felt so overwhelmingly stimulating. Um, Mm -hmm. So there's where practice kind of impacts your brain structures and what you sense in your body. But again, so much of this is going on in the brain, not just necessarily what's happening in your penis or your anus. Um, well, and let's be just be clear. There's the brain and then there's the mind. The brain is what sits in my cranium. The mind is my entire nervous system. So everything that's connecting together is part of what I'm thinking, feeling, experiencing is my is my mind. And so any sexual arousal in my body is affecting and being impacted on what I would call and, and your experiences with others, right? They're, they're the more formative yes, things. So that, yes. so exactly. then, um, the other things that can impact your brain structure and how your mind is working is the intensity of the emotion involved in the experience. So did you have an experience where this resulted in both arousal or fight flight kind of anger or fear? Mm. So eroticism gets fused with a, an emotion of some kind. Shame would be another one. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, we've shared honestly about my sexual abuse experience. I was raped when I was 17. Clearly my arousal in that story was fused with anal penetration. So this is, uh, or even being caught masturbating using some device as to anally stimulate yourself can be that. Um, the intensity of the sensation, we call this valence, um, the balance between pleasure and pain. This can be a very pleasurable experience, but it can also be painful. So if you're forcibly Mm. penetrated, it's not going to feel really good. But if that occurred in an abusive situation when you're a child, you can see then you might want to go back and repeat that unconsciously in an attempt to reverse the harm of that experience. And yet it's bound up in your arousal template that somehow I have to experience pain to kind of enter into this experience. So Mm. that's confusing, but it it happens. Um, There's definitely the novelty of it. And then there's the repetition. All of those things work in into kind of the physiological aspect of this. 
Then you go to the psychological cues. We talked about power over and under. Um, again, if it was an abuse, if you experienced uh, anal sex in an abusive environment, you may want to go back and repeat this in a way so that it's your choice to submit to it instead of being forced into it, which allows yeah. you to kind of reverse yeah. the harm of your abuse. Or just psychologically, if you felt like your mother was a source of harm and always kind of screwing you, so to speak, maybe this is, again, as a way for your partner to kind of symbolize your your symbolic uh, victory over your mother's enmeshment and over her um, emasculation of you. Um, yeah. So you've got those elements of eroticized rage, eroticized fear, eroticized shame. All those are creating a supernormal stimulus as well, which makes this sexual activity much more exciting than probably regular penetrative sex at times, uh, as well as the novelty. Yeah. And then again, we talked about the narrative cues. I'm reenacting. I'm trying to repeat or reverse or there's something about self-formation in this. How does this help me feel like I become more of a man or I become more masculine? Yeah. So I have consent and power to submit to this, which makes it safer, more pleasurable. It, it reworks in my brain, whatever harm might have been there, be it relational or experiential or traumatic or whatever. At least I, I take back the power, even though I'm being penetrated, I'm still consenting. To that's that. right. So- you know, we're not trying to shame pegging at all. It could be a really pleasurable experience you could enjoy with your partner. But if you're bothered by it, if you feel a lot of shame in the activity, if you feel like you are, you know, anally masturbating with dildos or whatever, and you need to keep it hidden, it's maybe an invitation to kind of examine your story and when this particular form of pleasure entered your life and how it's serving you. And to be curious about that, if you feel like you're kind of violating your values, if you feel like you're doing something wrong, maybe be curious about what it is that um, it's how it's serving you, how it's helping you and, and, and be kinder to yourself in exploring this part of your arousal template and how it came to be. Yeah. As a great sum up, we didn't talk about whether or not why women like to do this. Oh, we didn't we want to talk about that. So wh 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 why do women want to do this, Chris? That's a great question, Scott. Thank <laughs> you for asking. Um, you know, I think there is a sense in which women feel like they've been screwed themselves many, many times over. I mean, obviously, as the for what many consider the weaker gender or someone who's had to put up with a lot of other stuff, there can be a cathartic experience of of playing a masculine role and penetrating someone who maybe even has been the cause of a lot of their pain and struggle and so kind of, you know, as we talk about arousal being sometimes a reversal dynamic, this is the woman penetrating the man when you just the other way around. So you have a embodied and as much as can be, you're wearing a, 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 a harness and a dildo. It's not really your penis you're using, but you're simulating it. And that experience and of watching someone else be penetrated and receive pleasure through the penetration can be a thing of um, of healing and, and catharsis for a woman. It may just be also they like to make their husband happy and they'll do whatever he wants to do and they're doing it kind of, ah, I don't really care one way or the other. Um, but I think when we talk about that, it's really important to recognize uh, that there is a balance in relational dynamics. Um, just even today, I was sitting with my wife and she was having a very visceral experience about something that was going on. And one of the things that I needed to do is acknowledge how I was feeling in the moment, but also be sensitive to how she was feeling in the moment. We got to work through that. 
So I think with with our partners, with our spouses, um, to it's just like Scott said earlier, to demand that they do it is just as harmful as them to say, no, I'll never do it or let's not talk about it. I don't want to talk about that stuff. But to have a conversation and come to those places and say, you know, yeah, that sounds great. That sounds something like I do. Yeah, maybe if I initiate it, we can do it. Or I appreciate you sharing that with me, but that's not really something I'm interested to. It's very connective. And so to allow a woman to have that experience, I think would really, really, really um, help her come toward you if you have a, uh, a, a female partner who you want to become more intimate with sexually. Absolutely. That's what intimacy is. What are my desires? Am I, willing, am I able to be honest about what I really long for? Understanding that I'm not always going to get my needs met by you in this particular instant, mm -hmm. but for the most part, they will be. And that's part of our healing, too, is to realize that our partner is a source of honoring our desires, you know, not 100% of the time, but it's that invitation to here's what I would really like. You don't have to do this. But I think that's what a healthy relationship is all about, letting our desires be known and giving the other person a chance to respond to that. That is emotional intimacy, and that is the key to any connective relationship. So absolutely, Scott. That's exactly what we want to do. And so, guys, if you're curious or compassionate towards yourself, reach out to us. Let us know how we can support you. And if you just want to stay on the sidelines, that's cool. So we're going to be back next week on another episode of We Got Balls. And you do, too. And possibly your wife may have a pair. <laughs> you're all welcome. See you guys. <laughs> okay. Don't forget to subscribe for more episodes. You can connect with Chris at PornFreeMasculinity.com and with Scott at SuccessfulMen.com.